Hello and welcome to a new episode of Economics and Business. Today we'll be talking about one of the fastest growing economic disciplines, behavioural economics. Behavioural economics, or also short BE, studies the effects of social, emotional and cognitive biases on how decisions are made and also how decisions can be shaped to improve outcomes. Recently, the field has gained a lot of momentum. For example, the latest Nobel Prize in economics was awarded to Richard Thaler, one of the founding fathers of behavioural economics. But BE has also been growing rapidly outside of academia, particularly in the past year, where we've also seen a surge in companies applying behavioural economic techniques to improve business outcomes. I'm joined today by Suresh Natarajan. Hi, Suresh. Hi. Who leads our behavioural economics practice in the UK and Europe. Suresh, could you tell us a little bit about how behavioural economics has evolved recently and what sort of problems it's being used to address in the business world? Sure, happy to. So I suspect many of the listeners are already quite familiar with behavioural economics, uh, probably mostly from some of the work that's been done in the academic sphere that's had a huge pop culture impact. So I suspect many have already read Nudge or have read Thinking Fast and Slow or perhaps are familiar with the, some of the great work that the Behavioural Insights team has been doing in the governmental sphere. So, but what I think we've really seen um, of late is a real explosion of where behavioural economics has been applied outside of that. So you might have once thought that behavioural economics belongs in the lab, and then we start to consider the importance of behavioural economics in policy decisions and sort of major governmental strategies. What we're now seeing is that it's impacting every single form of how we conduct business or commercial decisions as well. So I think it's a really exciting time because the scope of behavioural economics is probably broader than what I think even most practitioners would have originally expected. So you know, it's unsurprising that the Googles and the Amazons and the tech giants of the world were the first to employ this to great effect, you know, particularly around behavioural micro-targeting. So in instances when you have unlimited amounts of information, the way that Google and Amazon do, it's really important about how we apply behavioural insights so that they can have a meaningful impact on the way that people hear that information and interpret it. And outside of the business sphere, what's really been fascinating has been some of the applications we've seen in the political sphere, for, for example. So regardless of your political stance, I think most will have been surprised by the impact that behavioural micro-targeting has had in the major national campaigns, such as the Brexit referendum or the US presidential elections. So a lot has been done in terms of behavioural profiling and what nudges and motivators can influence what the decisions that people make. And that's really reflected itself in major changes to the political landscape, in large part because of these kinds of insights. Well, from politics, academia and the tech giants, there really is a breadth of applications for behavioural economics. What sort of problems do companies typically tackle using BE? I think the, the main applications of you know, behavioural economics and behavioural insights more broadly have been around customers and shaping customer decisions. So this can be around purchasing or other types of behaviours and choices that customers make, but within that kind of field. And it's obvious why. You know, for most companies, customers provide the clearest sample base that they can start testing things on. And testing is a really important part that goes with behavioural insights. And you know, customers also move uh, quickly enough in terms of transaction volumes that allows for behavioural testing 
to really come to the fore as something that we can use as a tool. And it's a tool that actually complements the existing standard improvement processes that organizations will have. So it plays well with you know, the current day jobs that companies have. Can you give us an example of how you've used behavioral economics with a client? So one example is the water industry. You know, it's not an industry that's known for being particularly forward thinking or commercially agile. Um, and I, I think even people in the industry will admit that quite readily. But that's been really changing over the last few years. So the regulators applied a lot of pressure on companies and saying, you have to use behavioral insights to transform the way that you deliver services because we think there's a real application here. And you know, we were working with one client to help them do that. So this client, much like every other company in the industry, has had major problems with customer debt. So what they found was that they had over 10% of customers not even paying their water bills. Year on year, that adds up to a very large amount, and they write off multi-million pounds of debt every single year. So if we can make even a small improvement to that, there is a you know, real big return on that kind of focus. Wow, that sounds like a huge problem. How did you go about using BE to tackle that? We, we, did, we did quite a few things. Um, the first of which was a trying to understand why people don't pay. And what we found was that different types of customer groups don't pay for different reasons. So the kind of customer group that is financially vulnerable and actually has problems paying all of the bills, not just their water bill, the really important thing there is about engaging with them to help them get out of the sort of debts that they've built up. So how can they help reduce their consumption or reduce their bill without necessarily harming their credit score and getting themselves in a pickle that's even worse with other organizations. But so the, the nudges that we would help and put into place there are very different from when we would try to target customers who are, we think are actively evading paying their water bill. So people who we think have the financial means but not the inclination to be paying. So we need to have different types of nudges to change their behaviors because for them, it's more about the threats and the tools that we have on the debt collection side to actually make them realize the importance of paying quickly and promptly and on time. So once we had a better understanding of the different types of customers and the different nudges that will affect them, we then ran a series of experimentally and statistically robust trials with thousands of real customers and said, here's what happens when we sort of put this nudge in place. And you know, you're varying things in terms of content, formats, and the timing of the sequence as well. Um, and then what the results showed was a dramatic improvement in the likelihood of people paying off the back of some of these techniques. What type of results were they? So, so we saw some really substantial results, probably some of the biggest that we've seen in the industry, or in fact, anyone's in the industry. So we managed to reduce non-payment by over 50%, um, which you know, when we're talking in the scales that we are, that's a multi-million pound improvement to their bottom line. Um, so for this particular client, it was an eight-figure sum. And the way I always try to talk about it is their return on the investments they were making. So it was over 200 times the return on the investment they made about applying behavioral insights, um, all returned over the course of a few months. Wow, that's a really great achievement, some fantastic results. Did you just stop there? No, no, we, we continued on. Um, so from there, we started looking at the other kinds of problems that customers are posing the organization. So how can we help reduce costs? Because they had a large call center dealing with you know, confused customers because the messaging was unclear and customers didn't know how to interact with you know, different types of uh, content that was already being pushed out. So 
the behavior change there is about trying to make things clearer for customers, but at the same time changing their consumption. So not just in terms of you know, water usage, but also in terms of how do you get them online and reduce costs of call centers as well. Um, we also started looking at things around the employee side. So how do we improve productivity employees with different sort of incentive mechanisms and other behavioral nudges that we can apply internally. Um, though we, we also continued on in the customer payment space as well. So after we did the, the first series of experiments, we started going towards you know, micro-targeting. So what we know about customers is quite a lot. We need to reflect that in all the ways that we interact with them. So instead of having standard processes, we started having a um, tailored collection strategies, which effectively changed the messaging in terms of content format and tone, as well as when people get different types of messaging based on certain characteristics that we know about them. So internally, they already had a good picture of you know, where they lived, who they were. We started layering on other sorts of external data on top of that. So we took credit reports to understand how rich they were and what their credit scores would imply. We then started saying we should have different messages for these different types of groups. So if someone's a poor student, they need to have a different set of messages because what will motivate them is very different to someone who is employed with a house because for them, we know they have a stable income stream. And the point is about trying to show the impact of their credit score if they don't pay. For students, it might be more about trying to help them understand when and how to pay because these are people who are going through you know, paying their water bill for the very first time. So therefore, they need a different type of guidance and advice that the company can offer. There seem to be a lot of applications within this customer and payments area of behavioral economics. Is this also where you see the scope for BE in the next couple of years? I think there's still lots to be done in that space. I think there is a big return that has been starting to be quite well proven for more, most organizations in the customer sphere. But over the next few years, I think, I think the scope is a lot broader. And there have been a few sort of major areas that have been relatively untapped uh, due to complexity and you know, time for the last few years. So some of those might be something that clients are constantly coming up to us with and says, great, individual customers are one thing. Groups of customers are very different. And by that I mean you know, the B2B markets, because how you would send a message to a group or an organization needs to have a very different kind of thinking than when you're sort of dealing with individuals. And I think unlike where most of the academic research has supported existing work um, in the behavioral economics and psychology space, organizations will behave in a way that really doesn't translate well from a lab environment. And in fact, most of the research in that space has been done by the business schools and organizational design specialists. And I think over the next few years, it's going to be really important that we sort of marry those two very fundamentally different concepts and schools of thought together, because that's what we find that organizations are really having a major problem with. And I think it will become uh, a major source of um, academic research about how do we apply behavioral insights to groups. I think outside of that, there's also lots of untapped opportunities internally. So, you know, customers, we've seen lots of work there, but employees are just as human <laughs> as customers are, and therefore just as prone to these behavioral biases that we find affecting customer decisions. So again, applying some of these techniques to improve employee behavior around productivity, decision-making, culture change, um, engagement, those are all applications that I think the next few years will really take off. 
Uh, and potentially a last one is about how do organizations structure their capabilities internally. So I think the jury's still out about what is the best model for every type of organization. Is it still, is it towards something like a center of excellence where each major organization has a small team that effectively acts as an internal agency providing behavioral insights and advice to other parts of that organization? Or will behavioral insights just become the language of business? You know, will every part of the organization start saying, we need to consider how people will interpret this, um, and this is how humans will interact rather than the way that we might think they would? Will that become the new norm? Um, I think in the short to medium term, the you know, organization still needs to figure out where they see behavioral insights being placed as well. So regardless of how they structure that capability, what do they want that capability to do? What problems do they want them to solve? And I suspect in that interim, consultancies will continue to help organizations work through those until they start developing their own behavioral capabilities. Well, who knows what the future holds for behavioral economics, but thanks for giving us a glimpse, Suresh. It's been really great um, to talk about such a fast-moving area in both business and economics. So thanks very much for your time, Suresh. Thank you for having me. If you'd like to find out more about our behavioural work, we've included a link in our description. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date with our latest episodes. And if you want to find out more on any other topic we've discussed in this series, then please just head to pwc.co.uk forward slash economics. Thanks very much for listening.